Welcome to episode 2 of uh, Tech for Dummies. Your host is David Morimi and uh, with me is William Wine. Uh, William is a seasoned full stack developer. He's a senior software developer at Cloudoon, where he oversees product development and cloud infrastructure development. Today we are talking about Kubernetes, Kubernetes Backup and Restore. So William, welcome. Uh, thank you. So uh, what is Kubernetes? Um, so basically, picture something like a, a ship mm-hmm. um, carrying um, containers in there. Maybe uh, things like bananas, um, things like uh, oranges. So mm-hmm. say you want to carry uh, bananas at a specific temperature. Yes. Let's say maybe 10 degrees. You want to carry the oranges at uh, 15 degrees. You want to uh, carry some... Uh, uh, some vaccines at another temperature. Yeah. So, and you want to carry all those things uh, yes. maybe at one go. Yes. So, basically, Kubernetes is something of that sort whereby you're able to uh, deploy your applications with yes. uh, different configurations. So, yes. basically, they are isolated uh, in, uh, in something in uh, things called pods. Okay. So, basically, a pod can... Uh, basically uh, carry uh, one or more containers okay. that have the same uh, kind of maybe uh, a larger setup maybe an application maybe has uh, three containers or something okay. so basically that's uh, kubernetes all right yeah um so whenever i hear about kubernetes i hear a lot of do- about docker yeah so what is docker um so uh, Docker is uh, basically around uh, uh, allows you to um, run um, like the smallest uh, kind of a setup in uh, Kubernetes, like the smallest unit. Okay. So let's say uh, in that uh, in that pod, let's say you have a pod uh, of uh, like a small WordPress application. Yes. So in our WordPress setup, you have uh, one. You have a, a database. Yeah. Uh, you have a database server, let's say MySQL, yeah. and then you have uh, the WordPress itself. So you have, uh, let's say, Apache, yeah. and then you have uh, the files, the files, the WordPress files. Yes. So there you, you're probably going to need like uh, two Docker containers. Yeah. Um, so one with the, the MySQL server, yeah. and then another one with the uh, now the, the web server and the, and the files, the, yeah. the WordPress files. Yeah. Uh, so basically now uh, docker allows you to um, now isolate uh, run run these two in uh, basically um, their own uh, environment yeah yeah all right yeah. um so there's something else that has come up uh, uh, with the you know growth of uh, kubernetes and docker yeah. that is uh, microservices architecture yeah and so my question is, is there a relationship between uh, containers and microservices? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, containers uh, is what uh, that allows you to um, run uh, microservices. Okay. So let's say basically you have a, maybe a large, um, uh, let's say, uh, e-commerce application yeah. whereby you have a... Uh, a database server you have a, you have a, maybe a, another another messaging server yeah and then you have a, a server for queuing uh, tasks yeah 
And then you have maybe the front end, what the client is seeing. Yes. And then you want to run uh, those uh, applications uh, independently. Yeah. So uh, containerization is going to uh, is what is going to enable you to uh, run those uh, as microservices. All right. Yeah. So it's right to say that the growth of uh, microservice architecture has contributed to the growth of uh, container-based uh, cloud infrastructure. Yeah. All right. Um, so, how did you learn about uh, Kubernetes? Um, it was back in uh, around 2019. Uh, yes. We were having some a bit of problems uh, trying to uh, manage um, a banking software that is GSOT. Yeah. Um, so, one of our challenges is uh, we were having issues with the deployment. Yeah. Uh, basically, rolling out deployments. Yeah. Um, being able to roll back, being able yes. to scale yes. uh, due to maybe traffic, being able to scale down when uh, traffic has gone down. Yeah, uh, yeah basically uh, sort of being able to run an, an autopilot soft, sort of an environment. Okay. So um, actually my, 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 my first, um, first go-to uh, software was not uh, Kubernetes. So I tried to research about uh, OpenStack, and yeah. it was sort of like an overkill uh, yeah. deploying uh, OpenStack to run such an application. Yeah. So I bumped into something called OpenShift. Yes. And that's how I came to learn about uh, Kubernetes. Oh, okay. Yeah. So where can a new B developer learn ab- about uh, Kubernetes? Or learn more on Kubernetes. Um, in the last few years, uh, th- there's there's been a lot of uh, improvement uh, on how to maybe uh, adopt uh, the Kubernetes technology. Um, so there's there there are certain um, distribution Kubernetes dispri- distributions like yes. very tiny distribution that uh, uh, a newbie a new a newbie can. Uh, uh, basically deploy and uh, even um, start running some small uh, applications uh, like WordPress. Yeah. So there's uh, Minikube, you have uh, things like uh, K3s, yeah. you have uh, something like uh, Micro K8s. Yeah. So uh, I, I think I would be biased towards uh, Micro K8s because um, it allows you to um, run sort of a production uh, production-like environment. Okay. Yeah. So basically, you can uh, even run your own uh, small uh, production app uh, yeah. on uh, micro kids without much configuration because uh, out of the box it gives you uh, a lot of things. Gives you networking. Gives you ingress. You don't have to worry about uh, setting up all those. Okay. Yeah. And um, micro. You're saying it's micro K8? Yeah, it's micro K8. Micro K8 by um, Canonicals. Yeah, yeah. The guys behind Ubuntu. Right? Yeah, yeah. All right. Then uh, my other question is, um, why is uh, Kubernetes so expensive on uh, GCP, Amazon, and uh, you know Asha? Why are they so expensive? Um. So, uh, so as as much as. Uh, you see, what Kubernetes does is gives you uh, the ability to uh, run sort of a, a private cloud. Yeah. Um, so before, people used to uh, run into um, the challenge of maybe moving to uh, Azure and then maybe 
some years down the line or some months down the line they need to move to google cloud um so they have to reconfigure everything all yeah. at once and then uh, you know all that yeah. hassle yeah. so basically uh, kubernetes gave um uh, small uh, small enterprise small businesses basically uh, the ability to have some portability so okay. basically some uh, like you can move your app from uh, um google cloud you can and and then move it to azure yeah yeah but with all with all that uh, comfort yeah. uh, kubernetes does does run a lot of uh, basically a lot of things especially when you're doing uh when you have a let's say uh, just a simple setup we'll have a let uh, something to do with networking you'll be doing logging yeah. uh, you'll be doing uh, scaling up scaling down uh, yeah. you'll be doing basically a lot of a lot of uh, small small things that will uh, contribute to a lot of you know uh basically a lot of uh, resource use okay yeah so it doesn't mean uh kubernetes gives you uh, the ability to use less resources yeah it actually uses more resources than uh, running like a, a monolith uh, kind of a setup okay yeah all right um so do we have any alternative platforms apart from uh, you know gcp amazon azure do we have uh, any alternative that someone can use if they they want to start running uh, kubernetes yeah, yeah um actually um if uh, you know the only reason someone would go to uh, people like azure and uh, gcp for uh, kubernetes is because maybe, maybe they don't have their own hardware yeah but let's say if you, if someone has a maybe like, let's say uh like three virtual machines yes uh, there's uh, platforms like uh, Platform 9, which yeah. allows you to uh, connect your own hardware yeah. and uh, immediately like run on aut- autopilot. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, you can. Um, that means uh, you know they are all, you know open source solutions, and uh, you can run them on your own either on premises or on any other bare metal. Yeah, uh, actually, now uh, on the open source side, yeah, there's a rancher. It gives okay. you the same uh, capability as platform 9 whereby you bring your own hardware uh, yeah. and then uh, just a few commands and you're up and running with a you know a high available uh, kubernetes cluster yeah yeah sure. so um now that uh, you mentioned about um, you know uh, mysql so tell me about your experience with the mysql operators um so um basically uh kubernetes is, is it's not really built for uh it wasn't built for running uh stateful applications okay so these are things like uh, mysql um, uh, things like uh, let's say redis yeah it, it wasn't built for running uh, such applications yes um so to to uh to now um convert uh, a kubernetes cluster to be able to handle uh stateful applications yeah um maybe let's say you want to deploy uh, an application that is connected to uh, a mysql database yeah and uh, you don't want to uh, have an external uh, kind of a setup for yeah. that mysql cluster yeah um yeah so the mysql operator will handle uh, things things like uh 
you know um restarting let's say you have a, a mysql cluster with the uh three nodes yeah so this mysql operator will handle things like checking on um like a dead uh, a dead uh, node and mm-hmm. then it will handle things like restarting that dead node and all that yeah yeah basically it's basically it's just an operator it operates the whole mysql uh setup okay yeah okay tell me more about uh pacona high availability mysql cluster so um one of the challenges uh of uh running a mysql cluster is usually um the worry of uh a node going down yeah so these are uh, maybe let's say your virtual machine or your bare metal server going down yeah so um pacona gives you the ability to um run um let's say you have uh, three virtual machines gives you the ability to run um a node a mysql node uh, on each of those uh, three virtual machines yeah um so one of one of the challenges of running um like you, you see this this is not a distributed um uh, kind of a setup yeah it's sort of a replicated kind of a setup yeah so one of the challenges is uh knowing uh which which node has uh, the most um the most fresh fresh data yeah and uh, being able to uh direct uh, queries to that node yeah so this is where pacona comes in and okay. uh handles all that uh for you yeah yeah so basically what pacona does is uh, when you start um a mysql cluster with let's say three nodes yeah so pacona will handle uh choosing um choosing the node to bootstrap from from yeah. so this is the node uh, the node that will be uh, bootstrapped from is the node that has uh, the most fresh data yeah. you can say yeah. so pacona will handle uh, all those things yeah so when a node goes down uh, this is the virtual machine when it goes down uh, yeah. pacona will handle um, where to direct the traffic to uh, between mm-hmm. the the two remaining uh, nodes yeah yeah all right um so uh, i will also ask about uh, your ingress controller yeah which one do you use um currently in my setup i have uh, two ingress controllers Okay. Uh, the reason I have two is because um one of the services we run doesn't run on uh, you know the traditional uh ports. Yeah. This the the traditional HTTP ports. Yeah. So uh for normal traffic we usually use uh, Nginx. Yeah. Uh, actually it's one of uh, you know the preferable uh, ingress controllers because yeah. it comes with almost uh every uh, distribution out there. Yeah. Uh, every uh kubernetes distribution out there yeah. and then it sort of uh, has uh, standards you know like it tuned pr- break from uh, you know one version to the other yeah yeah so the other one i i run is uh, ha proxy so okay. that's where uh you know i run uh, the service that doesn't have uh, the traditional uh http ports okay yeah all right um okay in summary tell us about your you know 
Kubernetes is architecture. So what do you use for you? Um, I mean, just from, uh, you know, ingress, I mean, everything uh, in summary. Yeah. So um, in a nutshell, uh, what we have in our, in our Kubernetes setup is, uh, one, we have uh, definitely the storage. Uh, so for storage, we use uh, uh, portworks. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And then uh, for ingress, mainly we use uh, nginx. Yeah. And then uh, we have uh, for visibility for uh, visibility, we use uh, something called Pixie. Okay. Yeah. And then uh, at at uh, application levels, uh, we do log. We do log using uh, 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 Elasticsearch. Okay. And then for um, uh, for things like uh, service discovery, um, yeah, actually we also have uh, the DNS part whereby yeah. we use uh, the core DNS. Okay. And then we have a uh, service mesh. Okay. So what a service mesh uh, does is, let's say you have a, um, an application that mm. is replicated. Yeah. So a service mesh will route traffic mm. to the service that has the least uh, latency. Okay. Yeah. So there we have Linkerd. Okay. Yeah. All right. And then um, we also have uh, we also have um, a backup uh, software. Okay. On the same uh, yeah on the same setup. All right. Yeah. Um, what backup options uh, does uh, Kubernetes support? Like, uh, what are the kind of softwares out there that uh, we can get for backup? Um. In terms of backup. Um, some of the storage, uh, some of some of the storage um, operators, mm -hmm. uh, they do offer their own uh, inbuilt backups. Yeah. So let's say uh, if let's say you you opt to go uh, with something like Longhorn. Yeah. Uh, Longhorn does offer uh, uh, backups and uh, snapshots. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, almost almost uh, uh, storage uh, providers uh, do have uh, backups. But, um, well, it's generally, uh, I think, generally advisable to maybe have, a, uh, you know, like a third-party backup option. Okay. Yeah. So, our, our go-to uh, backup option is uh, Kasten. Okay. Of course, there, there are other uh, backups providers like uh, Trilio. Um, and also, there's another backup provider. I, I, I don't, I don't think I can remember the exact name, but mm -hmm. uh, it doesn't offer you like a dashboard where you can you can configure your your backup policy and such. Okay. It runs from a, from shell. Okay. Yeah. So it's you know like not really a go-to uh, backup option. Okay. Yeah. So you would recommend Kasten. Kasten is uh, the uh, you know the solution you would recommend. Yeah, yeah I would uh, really uh, recommend Kasten because it sort of gives you uh, uh, like everything, almost everything you need in a in a Kubernetes backup solution because it gives you uh, uh, basically the ability to uh, configure your own policies. Okay. For let's say you want to uh, backup one application, maybe hourly and then the other application maybe every uh, six hours yeah. you're able to do that using custom yeah. you're also able to uh this is what actually what many backup providers out there don't have is uh policies for importing 
Okay. So let's say you have a, dis- a disaster recovery uh, setup somewhere else. Yeah. Uh, so you're able to, as you're backing up hourly, you're yeah. also able to import uh, those backups to yeah. uh, that uh, disaster recovery. Because you see, as soon as a disaster happens, you don't want to deal with uh, something like downloading backups. Yeah. And yeah. then, you know, like network latency can uh, really mess you up in such a, a situation. So you want to have those backups in that uh, server setup, in that yeah. disaster recovery server setup. Okay. Yeah. So, I, I mean, in summary, you're saying that Kasten uh, provides like the best... Um, you know, disaster recovery uh, policies. Yes, yes. Okay. All right. Uh, now, I think away from, uh, you know, cloud infrastructure. Yeah. I'll ask you something. I know it's, um, uh, you know, very, you know, very close to you. And uh, and my question would be, um, I know at, at, as at now, Mercedes is at the top of, uh, you know, the table yeah and but, uh, uh, we are very happy <laughs> yeah but uh, but but uh, you know looking at other stats yeah things are just uh, you know looking as an analyst i would say that uh, uh probably this marks the end of uh, their dominance um because uh, uh, citing that uh, you know uh red bull has more wins than them yeah you know? yeah so uh does this mark the end of mercedes dominance are we going to see more players start to win uh, formula one uh, from this season going on um actually we yes we might see some uh, uh, new players uh getting to win uh, they, they, is not necessarily because maybe Mercedes um, maybe have uh, maybe slept on their job okay but it's because um, you see um, one it's because when if you look at back when Mercedes uh, started winning uh, okay. there was uh, a regulation change in the sport okay so whereby they were moving from uh, the V8 engines to uh, the hybrid era. Yeah. Uh, the V6 uh, hybrid engines. Yeah. So um, Mercedes were able to uh, get up and running. Yeah. Uh, basically, they were able to uh, come with a, a full uh, winning package. Yeah. So if you look at what is happening uh, next year in 2022, yeah. uh, we are moving towards uh, a vehicle that has a, um, some aerodynamics uh, capability gives you gives uh, other drivers the capability to follow closely so okay. you see with, with with formula one cars what happens is yes you're able to let's say you have a like a faster car yeah you're able to uh, catch up catch up to your your opponents yeah but what you're not able to do is uh, either follow closely or yeah. overtake yeah because the minute you get uh to maybe let's say uh two seconds behind yeah you you have a lot of what is called dirty air yeah so this dirty air messes up your uh you know your, your engine yeah not, yeah not not really your engine but yeah. messes up your you know even uh, uh driving capabilities and all yeah. that yeah so with uh 2022 uh, regulations yeah that is bound to, that is going to change because uh drivers are being will be able to uh, follow closely yeah and if you're able to follow closely 
uh, the more uh, overtaking capabilities you'll have okay so what has also changed uh, this year is mm-hmm. uh, you see um uh, before uh, formula 1 used to be a very a very expensive uh, uh sport yeah which meant uh, if you are a small team your yeah. likelihood of winning was very low because yeah. uh, people like mercedes red bull they have a lot a lot of cash yeah. so they're able to throw all that cash towards uh, developing a car okay. so with the new regulation there's a budget cap okay so uh, smaller uh, smaller teams are able to uh, play within their budget yeah. uh, within the, the amount of money they have and they're yeah. able to uh, bring a winning car to uh, to the field Right. Yeah, actually that has affected uh, Mercedes a lot uh, this year because um, there's there's a limit uh, to what uh, they can they can bring uh, as uh, improvements. Yeah. Yeah. There's also a new uh, a new token system. Mm-hmm. So each team gets uh, a number of tokens okay. in a season. Yeah. So these tokens uh, determine uh, the number of upgrades you can yeah. bring to your car. Yeah. Yeah. So for every upgrade you bring uh you know you that's yeah you exhaust a token. Yeah. Yeah, so there's there's a lot of uh small changes yeah. that are going towards uh, making uh the sport uh, a bit more competitive. Okay. Yeah. So um I don't know uh it's right to say that uh Mercedes have started to to play dirty because uh, you know Red Bull recently reported that uh they have uh, over 3 million euros in damages from the two incidents that uh, Mercedes drivers have uh, you know have uh, cost on their drivers so is it that uh, Mercedes are playing that what is what, what is happening well uh, not really because um um you know uh looking at it from uh, those uh, two accidents okay um it wasn't actually only um you know like the last accident in uh, hungary yeah uh, was it uh, yeah there's hungarian uh, grand prix yeah and uh, i think uh, silverstone yeah yeah um so with that with that accident yeah. uh, it wasn't only um red bull that was uh, really affected because okay. we had a mclaren in there Yeah that was also uh, affected. You yeah. know it's uh, I'm going to be biased here because I yeah. I, I think uh, you know Red Bull are making uh, the you know the most amount of you know noise yeah. <laughs> after every accident because if you look at uh this year Mercedes has suffered uh, the same the same fate of you know an accident uh, costing them like almost a whole car. This okay. was the case where George Russell hit mm-hmm. Bottas and yeah. they incurred a cost of 1.8 million. Okay. So well, you know, actually uh, recently there's uh, the McLaren uh, team principal Okay. Actually, uh, did uh, uh, did comment on that uh, complaint of Red Bull. Yeah. Actually, they were they, they were saying uh, that you know um, <laughs> Mercedes maybe should uh, <laughs> pay for the damages and all that. Yeah. But you know these these spots, um, there's bound to be such uh, you know you know such uh, instances and actually what what happened with Bottas is uh you know like the whole weekend um 
the weather the weather was you know good like it was sunny and all yeah. that so when uh, throughout the whole weekend this is for practice one practice two practice three and the qualifying uh they practiced using those weather conditions yeah so when uh, they go to the track yeah um the weather was changed drastically and yeah. uh, there was a bit of rain okay so um when there's a bit of rain yeah um the brake pads are bound to uh, cool down yeah way below what you know what uh, way below some uh, recommended temperatures yeah so i think what happened is uh botas uh misjudged the grips the grip on his brakes yeah so when uh by the time he was braking it was a bit too late okay. and uh, he was right behind the uh, Lando Norris uh, gearbox McLaren. yeah and yeah. Uh, he you know yeah yeah okay so well, didn't say that uh, Mercedes is playing that you know i mean you didn't play that when uh, <laughs> when you have you know well uh, this Mercedes still has a lot to lose if uh, they play that okay yeah uh, okay um so i think uh the reason why I think uh, Red Bull would win this championship is because, uh, you know, every of their drivers won a race, you yeah. know, and um, so if uh, they have two com- very competitive drivers who are at this point in the, in the, in the competition has already won, yeah. uh, then I think they can, they can be able to win uh, this, uh, you know, this championship. Well, uh, <laughs> we are still uh, we still have a long way to go because we are still uh, in the middle of the season, and uh, you know a lot might change uh, okay. in the second half because uh, actually uh, if you look at um, tracks, most of the tracks uh, that Red Bull has won in, uh-huh. those are tracks that you know favor uh, the the characteristics of uh, their car. Okay. So when we go back to normal kind of tracks, you yeah. know, if you look at uh, a track like Silverstone, you yeah. know, those kind of uh, tracks, yeah. uh, you know, the it's it's bound to you know change a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And uh, also um you know Ferrari, you know, we can't uh, we can say that they are, they are still not in the game because um, in the second half uh, they might we do suspect they might bring some you know upgrades. Okay. Yeah, and uh, you know might might get them uh, podiums. Okay. My my only concern with Ferrari is uh, I don't know whether they have a, you know experience to win. I mean, if you look at their drivers. Uh, um, I think is a Reclare the lead driver, or who is a lead driver in uh, in Ferrari? Um, Ferrari don't really have like a lead driver, driver number two kind of a setup. It's okay. whoever wins for them. It's not basically like uh, teams like Mercedes, teams like Red Bull, or yeah. teams like um, Toro Rosso, where you have uh, the lead driver and then you have. Uh, maybe driver number two. Yeah. Uh, for Ferrari, it's whoever wins for them. Because I, I doubt if uh, Leclerc can win, um, you know, like uh, five races in a row. Because uh, 
is a young guy who is, uh, who, I mean, who is so uh, very excited to win. And uh, I don't know whether he can really win uh, race after race. Yeah, uh, I mean, he has a, he's a very uh, talented uh, individual. If you yeah. look at, um, if you look at um, 2019 season, yeah, where he was able to uh, take the fight uh, to, you know, the Mercedes. Also, he was able to take uh, the fight to his own teammates. Yeah, yeah. He's he's a really talented uh, individual. Yeah, so yeah. yeah, he's definitely able to uh, win. Yeah, I, I, of course, he's a talented guy. I remember him winning in uh, Italy. Yeah, twenty nineteen. Yeah, that was that was magical for uh, the T Force fans winning yeah. in Italy. Yeah, but now the question is, uh, does he have the um, you know, it's not about the talent, but it does he has uh, the, you know, the, the stamina of a champion, like what you see in uh, Hamilton, uh, you know, uh, being able to squeeze wins even when they are difficult, or maybe if uh, you are not winning, can he be able to still squeeze a, a fastest lap, you know, making such decision whereby uh, at the end of the day it's about, um, you know, championship. Uh, it's not more so about uh, personal uh, glory, kind of. Yeah. So um, anyway, but we will see about that. Now the other the other thing I can ask is in the last um, in the Hungarian uh, Grand Prix we saw a new winner, Esteban uh, um, Icon. Yeah. Uh, now I mean, does this mark a new you know a new a new entrant who will? Uh, winning I mean, how good is this guy um we actually saw the same uh, kind of a thing uh, last year where um um we had uh, we had uh, Pierre Gasly win yeah we also had an instance where you know we had a podium uh, full of guys who have never you know who don't usually uh, step yeah. on the podium so yeah. once in a while uh, in okay. Formula 1 we'll have uh, you know uh, such, uh, such podiums where you know when the big guys uh, make a small mistake, uh, mistake strategical yeah. uh, uh, strategy mistake, yeah. uh, you know the, the the small guys are going to you know step up and uh, win uh, the races because if you look at what happened in uh, Hungary, yeah, what happened is um, when uh, after the after the accident yeah. uh, the race was uh, red flagged yeah so uh, it was basically a, a standing start whereby yeah. the uh, the cars went back to uh, the grid and uh, you know uh, had a had a standing start yeah so what happened is when they were doing uh, the formation lap behind uh, the safety car yeah all the cars apart from uh, uh, the Mercedes of uh, uh, Lewis Hamilton. Yeah. Uh, they all jumped to the to the pits. Yeah. Uh, to get um to get a different kind of a, a tire yeah, setup. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Mercedes, uh, the Mercedes of uh, Lewis Hamilton was left to you know restart uh, the race. Yeah. Uh, with the with intermediate tires. Yeah. So. Uh, you know, I wouldn't say that it's really like uh, a strategy mistake. It's sort of, uh, you know, what would happen to anyone who was in front. 
because yeah. you know during the formation lab um uh, the pit engineers are not allowed to uh, talk to their drivers on okay. radio yeah because that would be like an assisted there's usually a regulation against that okay so um the cars that were behind yes you know like if were able to you know uh, get into the pits because maybe let's say you you could see uh, maybe let's say a car behind uh, so maybe a car in front get into the pits yes they are bound to you know go into the pits yeah so that's what happened with all okay. the cars yeah. Apart from Hamilton, who was okay. in front and okay. couldn't see what was happening behind, yeah. and the team could couldn't also uh, tell, him. tell him to come into the pits. Yeah. Yeah. So once, by the time Hamilton uh, got into the pits, uh, especially when uh, during a restart, if you get into the pits, you're bound to lose. Um, in Hungary, it was around uh, 24 seconds. Okay. So 24 seconds will get you to the back of the grid, <laughs> yeah. behind the grid, and then you, you know, you 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 start recovering. Yeah. Yeah. So that that, that that's what happened. Yeah. Uh, so when Hamilton got into the pits, uh, Ocon was able to uh, take over the lead and uh, drive all the way to the end. Okay. But uh, also, uh, Ocon, Ocon's win, uh, you know, had uh, a lot to do with uh, uh, his teammate Alonso, because okay. Alonso was able to uh, hold uh, Lewis Hamilton behind oh, okay. uh, for around uh, ten laps. Yeah. So by the time Hamilton was uh, overtaking uh, Fernando, uh, Ocon was already on his uh, way to winning. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the value of uh, an experienced driver. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's, you know, that's Alonso contributing to a team win. You yeah, know? and also, uh, you know, like, uh, actually people do call Hungary uh, Monaco without uh, the walls because it's extremely difficult to overtake in Hungary, just yeah. like in Monaco. Yeah. So that's why they call it uh, the Monaco without walls. Yeah. Because it's difficult to overtake on that track. Yeah, but uh, you know, uh, all the credit goes to to them for winning. Because yeah. uh, usually, when uh, Mercedes make those decisions and they work for them, uh, we we allow them for their strategy working. Yeah. So if uh, something didn't work this time round, yeah, um, then uh, you know they have to move on. Yeah. Now, uh, lastly, yeah, there is uh, there's been talk about uh, which uh, new tracks will uh, join in the season because uh, I think uh, Australian um, has been cancelled. There's also talk of uh, Japan uh, cancelling theirs. Yeah. And so uh, there, are, there are gossips around um, Bahrain and uh, Qatar, you know, joining the, the competition, the circuit. Yeah. I don't know what you can say about that. Um, you know, if... If let's say um, a track is not able to maybe hold a race, yeah. Um, for example, in US, um, you, you know the the circuit of uh, Americas yes, can hold, uh, yeah. yeah, can hold like two races, like what happened with the Austria. Yes. Whereby you have uh, the uh, the Syrian uh, Grand Prix, Grand Prix, and then you have another Grand Prix on the on the same circuit. Oh, okay. Yeah. So circuits are able to hold, uh, you know, two races. Okay. Yeah, but also there's uh, some new entrants, uh, especially in uh, you know uh, um, the Saudi Arabia one. Yeah. Yeah, I think they 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 are, I think they're still doing some um, 
um, some renovations on the track. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, you see, as well, you know, a new a new track is a new business for Formula One. Yeah. Because uh, you know they they, they so uh, when they get um, especially the Middle East. You know, Bahrain yeah. and Qatar, they are bound to sell sell big yeah. those uh, grounds. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we we will wait and see uh, what will uh, will happen with that. Yeah. 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 Um, but uh, let's see. Uh, I predict that uh, Red Bull will take this one. Uh, I know you still insist uh, yeah. Mercedes uh, will win. I mean, yeah, but Mercedes might most likely, you know, uh, they might most likely pull a wild one <laughs> on, yeah, I, I on Red Bull. And if, uh, you know, if Mercedes does win, yeah. um, Red Bull might be in for trouble because I, I do suspect they've invested uh, all their resources in uh, the, the 2020 uh, the 2021 season yeah where else uh, in 2022 it's a totally different uh, aerodynamic uh, car yeah and uh, then they still have uh, an issue uh, with the you know their engine supplier pulling out so okay. they, they, they are still you know still trying to set up uh, a high performance uh, powertrain uh, factory Okay. Which, you know, um, <laughs> running a high performance powertrain is, you know, a whole different kind of a game. So, yeah. Um, I, yeah, I do wish uh, the best for them, but, um, hmm, it might be a difficult season for them, especially in the second half. All right. Yeah. Okay. We'll wait and see that. Yeah. Um, so, thank you for sharing with us on uh, Kubernetes yeah. and uh, everything about Kubernetes and yeah. uh, as well. Formula One. I'm sure uh, people will enjoy uh, both sides of the discussion. Yeah. So uh, thank you.